This is episode number 469 with Carol Lee Arnold, 50 Dates After 50. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Wiener. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want support on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And here it is, if you're watching on video, (laughs) it's filled with 30 chapters, uh, stories, exercises, every every chapter is actionable. And um, all of these are designed to help you step more fully into your value. It's divided into three different sections, show up, stand up, speak up, which is really how we step into our value. And it's available on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book. This week is tip number 30, which is if you want something, ask for it. And I think that (laughs) Carolyn is a good person to to do this tip for because she seems like a very direct person who does what she wants. So yeah, a lot of times we want something, we don't even know what we want, but like we kind of want something, we're afraid to ask for it, we're afraid to go for it. And I encourage you to just ask. The worst that could happen is somebody's going to say no, but if you don't ask, you certainly will not receive. And uh, before I bring Carolyn on, I want to just give a shout out to my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And if you're a woman over 40 and you're looking for lasting love and you want to grow on your journey, come and join us there. It is a supportive environment, which is very unusual in the dating uh, groups that are out there. They're mostly places of uh, complaints and putting men down and putting dating down and uh, I hate online dating. And we are really a place where we don't label, we don't bash, we we don't look and point fingers. We point to ourselves and try to grow. So join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Carolyn Lee Arnold. She is a writer, a hiker. She is a relationship workshop assistant, and she used to be an educational researcher. This book, 50 First Dates After 50, is about an experiment she set up for dating men. Before that, she spent 18 years identifying as a lesbian feminist. She's still a feminist, and she lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Thank you, Sandy. It's so great to be here. I, I was just thinking if I had known about your book when I was starting my project, it might have gone faster. <laughs> I learned a lot of things that are actually in your book along the way. Oh, well, thank <laughs> so you. It's a very great resource. I can thank see. you so much. Well, I'm loving your book. It is. Um, I'm enjoying many aspects of it. I want to say that your book is published by She Writes Press, which yeah. In the back, uh, they list a bunch of their top books, and I know two of the people who have been on this podcast, and so one of them is Too Much of Not Enough. That was a memoir by Jane Pollock. She's been on the show twice, and I think Big Wild Love, The Unstoppable Power of Letting Go by Jill Sher Murray. She's also been on the show twice. Great, I think she great. was on this show and my other podcast, the Woman of Value podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are so many wonderful books by She Writes Press and um, so it's a great resource. And here's the book in case anybody is watching. <laughs> um, it's such a wonderful story. You're a great storyteller and mm, it's not easy to write memoir. People often get caught up in 
I did this and then I did that. And then it's a bunch of facts and it's kind of boring, but you take us right into your adventures and you're vulnerable. You talk about your fears, you talk about just kind of jumping in to being open to dating so many different kinds of people. So let's get into the book. Why, why did you write it? And then we'll talk more about the book itself. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. Um, the reason I wrote the book, I, I had already, I had um, gone on this, I had created this dating, I called it the 51st Dates Project for myself. I'd gone on it and I had a lot of fun dating. The way I set up this project, really, I felt like it buffered me from a lot of the pitfalls of dating, which you know well, the ones about um, um, settling for the first person who comes along or um, getting so heartbroken by one date, putting all your eggs in one basket and thinking this guy's it and then getting disappointed if you realize that he's not the one or he worse he realizes you're not the one and getting so discouraged that you stop and then or not even starting dating because sometimes we get so picky about our list so I was thinking I has this is how I why I set up the project for myself to to try to forestall those things and I'll tell you more about how it worked because I mean I set a goal of 50 and I thought of it as a research project um, and and that's and and it worked. I had fun dating. I enjoyed dating. And I looked around and I noticed women my age. I was in my late fifties. Um, we're not enjoying dating. People were, as you said, we're complaining about it. We're discouraged. I saw people settle for someone who's were clearly not good for them. Um, it was discouraging. And and I thought, well, I I've just had a great experience and I want to share it. So um, so I thought that was the simple idea. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> that it would take 10 years really to turn myself from a social science researcher to a, mem a writer of memoir. I didn't even know how to write dialogue when I started. <laughs> so, but, but I was determined to share this story because, um, because I thought I had learned a lot and I, and I kind of look at my story, not as a, a, a map for people to follow, but a process, like a, an, a way, a kind of a smorgasbord of ideas of different things to try in dating that might work for some people, different things might work. So I would, I'm putting it out as an offering of ideas and inspiration. And I found my guy. I did find my guy this way. So <laughs> I, I, that was, that was um, that, that's always good when you're dating and you find the right person. Um, but to tell you the truth, I was having so much fun dating. I could imagine going on and on. So, <laughs> so that's why I wrote it. I love it. I So many of the clients who come to me dread dating. They look at it as a chore and it just, it's like, you know, I can't, they can't even think about it. And so what I love is you tried so many different things. I think people often feel there's only one way to date at this age, mm -hmm. and that's online. And that's one avenue and often misunderstood and done poorly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's your attitude, your mindset, that really is one of the biggest, biggest <laughs> reasons why people find love or don't find love and enjoy the process or don't enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. And if you go in with like an open mind and I'm gonna have fun no matter what. Very different from the way I dated in my twenties, which was, I gotta find my husband <laughs> and he better be the right one. Yeah. Us, right? And I, yeah. I think many people do that. 
it puts a lot of weight on each date. And as we grow older, it feels more weighty. Like we don't have a lot of time to kind of hang around with fun Bobby until Mr. Wright comes along. We're, we're kind of folk want to find Mr. Wright. Yeah. And so it, it, but then each date feels so heavy if we're just going about it one after one after one. Um, and so we need a way to keep it lighter and more, a little more um, light and objective. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so 50 dates, why'd you choose 50? Well, I, I was <laughs> um, several reasons. Um, I, I, part of the story is I was trying to get over my previous boyfriend. We, we were, I thought, a great match, but except the fact that he want, lived in Hawaii and wanted to move to Bali and meditate, and I wanted to stay in the, in the Bay Area and do everything. I'm, I'm busy. I'm a professional. I was a professional, and I have a lot of projects. And so our lifestyles were not converging, even though we still loved each other. So in order to let him go, I felt like I had to, to date a lot of people in order to get over him, not, not just to get over him. I was, I was accepting that we were leaving, but I also needed to get a, a lot of different types of men in my mind. I called him my Buddhist beach boy, and I was afraid I would go find another Buddhist beach boy because they're so sweet and, <laughs> and supportive and understanding. And so I thought I need to shake it up a little bit and see what other types of men I might be. In. I should say that was my first almost long-term relationship. That relationship was seven years. Before then, I'd only had relationships of two years. So I was really a beginner, and I didn't know what would work for me long-term. So I thought, I'm going to need to go on a lot of dates. And I was thinking about it, and what popped into my mind was the, the movie, 50 First Dates. If you remember that, she went on 50 dates with the same man, Adam Sandler, because she had amnesia. So right. I thought, well, but it's such a great idea. I, I'll go on 50 dates with different with 50 different men. And and then I, I'm a statistician. So I thought, oh my God, 50 is a significant number. That's what you, a significant sample. If you have a sample of 50, you can get significant results. So I kind of just together, I just put those together. That's why 50. It, it <laughs> rang true for me. I was in my 50s. I don't know. There were a lot of 50s going around. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's good alliteration too. 50 yeah. First after <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but yeah i remember reading about peter the the guy that you had been with mm -hmm. for seven years was yeah. it yeah yeah and that you only had like up to two-year relationships up until then and so um did you do a lot of like therapy to you know figure out like why is why can't i make a relationship last like how did how did you end up having a longer relationship? Um, well, I think, I mean, I actually had done therapy a lot in my 20s and 30s, but I, but obviously it didn't help if I kept having <laughs> relationships. It helped me personally. But what really helped me in my 40s was turning to a, a, an organization that taught how to have better relationships. Uh, the Human Awareness Institute, which is based in California, but has uh, branches in New England and, and other countries. Um, teaches, it, they have workshops on love, intimacy, and sexuality. And they're all about teaching. And they started with the premise that I believed in, and I think you do too, which is you have to love yourself before you can have a relationship with someone else. You have to love yourself. And so they were teaching us how to love ourselves and appreciate other people at the same time. It's kind of a great feedback loop. If you're appreciating yourself, if you're, if you're appreciating someone else, they get to hear that appreciation and it, it trickles into our hearts that we are, we are okay. When I came to those workshops, 
I was, um, as you said, I spent a long time as a lesbian, which I loved. That's another story, and it's actually the subject of my second memoir. But, but um, I, I was a little unsure about myself with men by, when I got out of that and how attractive I was to men and, and things. So I was a little not very confident and very critical of myself. I'd, I had very negative messages in my head from my parents, although they were also very upbeat in a way, too. But I needed to um, counteract those messages because I really believe that's the basis for having good relationships. Uh, what we tell, talk to our, about ourselves, I know, and I know you believe that and you show that too and practice that. So that's, I had those works, I went through those workshops for 10 years. I mean, they, they don't take that long to do. I just, then I went and volunteered at them too and helped to really understand the principles, which were clear communication, self-care, um, appreciating people, um, um, non-sexual touch as a way of comforting people, a way of, of, of ha having closeness and feeling affirmed. Um, so that's what really um, got me doing it. The great thing about those workshops, they were experiential. It wasn't just about reading, you know, it's easy to say, love yourself. <laughs> you have to go through the actions. And the, the, the profound thing of sitting by experiential, I mean, we would sit with people and, and be kind of guided of what to do. And we, we'd sit in front of someone and say stuff that was going on with us, either positive or negative, and have somebody listen, just listen without fixing it. Just listen. It was profound to have that feeling of acceptance and then also being thanked and appreciated for that, what we shared. And, and, and just to have that feeling in our bodies and our hearts over and over, it really does sink in. It sank in for me that I was lovable and that I was attractive and that, I, that men did like me and so did women. And it was, it was it, that they, they teach about relationships of all types, friendships, lovers, parents, children, and partners. So it was just a great way, plus, plus the other benefit, I really am a workshop advocate because the other benefit is you meet all these great people who are also working on relationships. What better pool of men to choose from if you're trying to date than men who are working on themselves and trying to get better at love, intimacy, and sexuality? It, it, they couldn't be beat. And so that is about half my dates did come from people I had met over the 10 years. So that so, was my yeah. therapy. <laughs> it was, <laughs> well, it was it's, a living experiential therapy. <laughs> work is so important. Uh -huh. And I love the principles that they teach, which I also teach. Um, yeah, I thought. And I find so often, you know, we think we're clearly communicating and we're not. Um, especially if we grew up in an unsafe emotional environment, we often will hint around what we want, but we won't actually say it. Or we'll drop a little hint that we're going through a hard time and hope that the other person picks up on it and says, oh, that must be so hard for you. And they don't. Mm -hmm. And then you, but, but the rest of the time you're coming across as this tough, uh -huh. I can handle everything person. Yeah. You have no vulnerability. And so people, especially men, need to know that you, you need them, that you want them to hear you, that you want them to listen, and that you need emotional support. You don't just do everything on your own. Right, right. It's profound. Just the listening, just that yeah. is, is almost the basis of those workshops, just to, to listen to people and not try to fix them and let them figure out what's going on with them, but with support. The mm -hmm. other main um, um, tenet of, of the high... I call it High Human Awareness Institute, H-A-I. So mm -hmm. we just say hi. 
um, those workshops are choice, this concept of choice, that every minute we are at choice about what we want to do. That, that, that it applies to the workshops. If you don't want to do an exercise, you don't have to do it. Um, it implies in, a, in every minute of our lives, in a, on a date, in the middle of a date, you can change your mind about what you're doing. And, and that's hard to learn because, of course, we were all taught to kind of go along with, you know, at least those of us who are baby boomers, to go along with what men <laughs> wanted. So to, to learn that, no, it's okay to say, well, I feel like, um, I've, um, I feel like um, going to this restaurant, but not that, or um, I feel like just sitting here, I don't feel like touching. Is that, you know, is that okay? You know, or once I was with, on a beach with a guy and I said, just touching, I mean, I said, just, uh, just touching, no sex. And he said, okay. I mean, yeah. you just have to say. Yeah. Well, so yeah. you're saying when you set those boundaries, you're saying, here's what I don't want, but here's what I do want. And a lot of times people just go, yeah. no, stop. Right. And that's just to, sh that shuts somebody down. So I love that you're doing the, not this, but this. Yes. And I think I have a lot of examples in my dates in which I do that. Um, so in, on, in different arenas. Yeah. So I want to hear, I want to hear like some to hear... specifics in a minute, but I do want to okay. also just really highlight what you said before about meeting people doing things that you love. And I think that a yes. lot of people forget that oh, yeah. part. <laughs> so I just want to highlight that because, you know, you're looking for somebody with common values who also is a lifetime learner and interested in self-growth. And you're kind of dating in this wide pool where you don't know if somebody has done any work on themselves. And you can tell usually with the first phone call. I mean, I've had the most crazy phone calls with men who are like, Hey, let me just tell you all the dysfunctional things about me. I'm gonna I'm gonna list them all. So in case you hate me, so when you meet somebody who's actually into self growth and into sharing vulnerably in the right way, that really connects you, not oversharing and vomiting out your life. It's it's a whole lot different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was that was remarkable. So I only ended up having to go, not having to, but I. I went on about five online dates with people outside my circles. But the other thing, what you said is just about doing things that you love to do. My other interest, as you said, we're hiking. So in the Bay Area, we have a, a Sierra Club singles group. Yeah. So I could, there were a lot of hikes to go with them. And I met some people that way. And, um, and then my other interest was spirituality and the, the meditation center nearby here, Spirit Rock had used to have at least luckily when i was dating a singles sangha night which is a mix of meditation and discussion mm. so it was um so i just did the things i showed up in places where i liked which is which is really a part of dating anyway isn't it just living your life mm -hmm. and having a rich life because that's that that's our life i mean that's i, I mean I, <laughs> I mean dating while we're dating we're living our lives and we don't know if we're going to find a partner, but what we, what we do know is we're going to, we want to enjoy our lives. So we should be doing things we enjoy. Right. Even if you're going axe throwing or yeah. you know, doing something fun that you've never tried before, like that's, yeah. at least you're having a fun experience. And yeah. I think there's always something to learn about yourself and about men right. when you're on a date. It doesn't matter exactly. if it works out or not. 
So I know that you took a lot from like, oh, so this guy taught me this and now I see I don't want to be with someone like that. And then mm-hmm. so you're in the research mode, you're applying. Yes, scientifically. I did. <laughs> Uh, and you know and you dated such a wide variety of people so I know um I remember the part where you dated a guy who was in a a partnership with someone and he was allowed Mm -hmm. to have sexual experiences while he was at this institute but not when he came back to her and so (laughs) you were like let's get as much in as possible (laughs) right so um so how did it feel to be with men who were really not available to be a partner well, it had to do with my perspective. Like you said, it's all in the mindset. I mean, I never, I, I, my mindset was respecting people's relationships and not expecting to take them away from their primary person. Everyone has made their own choices. But it fit in with my research model of dating, which is I was looking to, I did want to date a variety of men, different types, like, like, not, you know, who are not the Buddhist speech boy type, businessmen, healers artists, musicians, professionals, um, those are occupations, but also just different emotional types. And so I, and this had to do with uh, every date didn't have to be someone who's a potential partner. The, the dates just had to be someone I liked and wanted to spend time with so that I could experience, well, what was it like for me to be with a guy who said he was a spiritual businessman or a healer or was, was open emotionally, but not, or, or not. So I was so so some of these types that I wanted to, to date were married and I knew the, the, the couple and they were very open. And so, well, actually, this is not the story you just <laughs> introduced, <laughs> just introduced this, the story of, of meeting someone at a, at a different workshop, not a high workshop, a Tantra workshop. Oh, okay. in, it, it was a, um, a very sexual workshop. And and um, and we connected sexually, but he he had he with his primary partner had agreements that he could do be sexual at workshops, but not elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, so your question was, how do I protect myself? How do I feel about that? It was I respected his relationship, and I I was enjoyed this being sexual when I could. I was hoping we could do more, but he didn't actually tell me he had that agreement until after the workshop. So I had got my hopes up, and then he said he couldn't. Um, so that, there's a, something I do in my heart. It, it's a little cap over my heart, I think, because I, there were several um, married men that I dated. I didn't always have sex with them. I just had, went out with them. But it's this, I protect myself because I, I don't go into that longing place. There's that longing place like, oh, this person would be perfect for me or I'd be perfect for them. And I think we all know that place of wanting and and, and imagining and and, and fantasizing about a certain person but I wouldn't let myself go there for people who already were in partnerships that I just respected that I expected their choice and I was there to just see what was it like for me to be with them it was my data gathering self to say do I like this type of person do we have fun does it bring out the best in me Am, am, am I am I do I do I feel like myself with this person um, what do I like about them? What are we like together? What kind of a model is this for the type of relationship I want? So I was taking bits and pieces from those types of, of dates. And kind of, I was, I was trying to create a image and a vision of who I wanted to be with, and, but stay open. So I was kind of collecting a lot of data, especially the first half of the project and trying out different types. And so that's how I did it. Does that 
Does that make sense? That I yeah, in terms of protecting my heart because it's it's kind of I had to learn to do that. I, right. I learned so it earlier. But there's a balance where your heart is a little protected, but you're still open. And I think that's mm -hmm. the hard balance for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, um, part of part of my book, I have conversations with my heart because I really appreciate her. I, I don't know why, but some of some I, I've had some of my friends are like this too. Our hearts can be open and still get hurt and get a little bruised, but then pop back and then mm -hmm. then pick themselves up and dust themselves off and say, okay, I'm ready for the next, to love the next person. And part of it is, um, I think the, one of the things in the high workshops is it's very heart opening. Your heart is open to people without needing to, you know, to, to partner with them. You're just open. You're, and it, it, it does enforce that lovely feeling of being able to really love and appreciate someone in the present and who they are and, and their energy and what they're saying and doing without, um, without needing more. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you, you talk about Peter and the Buddhist beach boy, and much of this is very Buddhist. It's, uh, mm. it's that lack of attachment and, you know, Good attachment point. to the outcome, right? You're, you're right. I, I, must, I might have absorbed more from him than I thought. <laughs> I think you became the Buddhist beach girl. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you. not the beach, but oh, the I Buddhist the beach. Bay girl. <laughs> I'll take a good beach anytime. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the ultimate. It's it's being able to go in with an open heart, but um, without attaching to the outcome and the expectation of somebody yeah, having it. to fulfill you. I right. think also the more your self worth grew, the more your heart can bounce back, and that's where when uh. we are so needy of other people's attention for us to feel worthy, yeah, we can get so attached to that person having to be the one who fulfills us that right. it's devastating when when that person is not in our lives and i think that the more we become fuller and wholehearted mm -hmm. the more we can easily not not so easily but bounce back i i you know i think the bouncing thank becomes you. faster yeah. thank you for that insight i hadn't put the two together about bouncing back with with self-esteem and, and that growing getting stronger that, yeah. That's definitely true. I mean, um, that's... also, I mean, I think what helped, and as I, as you said, I was learning through the project. Do you want to say? Yeah, know? I just want to say that just, um, just, just to cap that, my yeah. my TED talk is about that. It's it's about me turning into a tootsie pop, which was soft on the inside and hard on the outside, which was all the protective layers. And when you become the Heath bar, you become. <laughs> Still sweet, but tougher on the inside. And that's when you can let the layers down. That's when you can take oh. the guards off. And I think we don't really understand vulnerability. We think we, we're supposed to be open all the time, but it's it's so scary. And it's actually been a theme that just keeps coming up with every podcast interview and with my clients this week that I'm going to be doing a video later this week on it with my son. I inadvertently set that possibility up by giving myself that goal of 50 because um, because one of the other benefits, I, I had a research mind, and I think that's a great perspective on dating. It, but it also helped me that I had this goal of 50. So I was going to keep going. So any one date, again, didn't have as much weight. I still longed for some of the people in my 
um, in my dating, uh, uh, who are some of my dates, some of my 50 dates. Sometimes I could, didn't hear them when they said, I'm really not in a place for a relationship. Right. It took me a long time to hear some of them because some of them I, I really did invest some of my longing in. And, but I, because they, they, they happened to personify just this thing I really wanted. And I was a little blind to the rest of their, their story, but, um, um, but, but because I had this goal of 50, it kept me, it kept my uh, momentum going. And so even though I did get my heart broken a few times by the people I longed for who didn't reciprocate, and I have to admit, I broke a few hearts on the way myself. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes I got discouraged. Um, and then, but, but the fact that I could get up and do something else, I mean, I had, a, I, I knew where I was going, I, I had to keep, sometimes I, I pride myself away from a, a little friend, a party with my friends, just to go to a, a place where I thought I might meet a date because I had this project to do and it gave me the motivation to go. And just that feeling of momentum also made it all lighter and, and, and gave me the, the framework or the, the, the container to be open and loving and then let go and move on. Yeah. So having that structure is helpful. Yeah. Uh, and having abundance is helpful. I think a lot of people mm. date with scarcity and it's, right. that's the one I got to put all my energy. Like you were saying at the beginning, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket or not dating at all. Those are the two extremes I see all the time. And then you mm -hmm. finally go on a date and then it doesn't work out. And then it's like, oh, dating sucks. So yeah, because of that one person keep, wasn't right. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a special person, how do you expect to meet another special person in five minutes? Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. I'd love to hear like how, how you ended up finding the person that you're with and like, what, mm -hmm. what did you learn along the way that, what are some of the relationship must haves and things that you learned to help you find this person that you're with now? Well, it, it's funny because, you know, we, we all have our lists and, and I could have written that list in the beginning of this project, you know, smart, engaged, handsome, I mean, you know, the usual things. We all almost have the same list, I think. Someone who matches me. <laughs> But it took me, I felt like I needed to, it, again, it was an experiential thing, not as much as a list thing. It was, I needed to experience a lot of different types to see who I, who I was really, I needed to feel it in my body, in my presence, that who I was best to, could best be with and who, which parts of me, like I said, there were several men on the, on this project who I was really longing for and thought could be my partner because they embodied either they were very emotionally connected to me or they were very physically connected to me or they were great companions and little, little of those parts. And it's hard to see at the time that it was, they were partial partners. They weren't complete partners. 
But at the time when that thing is so strong, the one thing you wanted, whether it's emotional connection or companionship or sexual uh, connection, that's so strong that you can't see the other things. So again, it helped me that I had to move on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and so, and I also, I actually met my partner um, at, a point, at some point early on, not too early on, um, over half, but I met him and I didn't think he'd be good. I, I, I wasn't ready. So, so I actually can't pinpoint why him, you know, he wasn't, I, it, well, for one thing, he wasn't available. But when I first met him, he was in a marriage and I, I you know, he was just, I, I wasn't interested. And so I didn't really look at him closely. Later when I found out that his marriage was finishing, um, I looked at him more closely, but, and he's, and then I started noticing that he had a lot of the things that I wanted that had been in partially into the other people. But I really had to, but again, he was an experiment too. I didn't know he would work out. I said, let's go on one date. Let's see. I did not. It wasn't this, you know, you know, revelation from the sky. I mean, <laughs> after the one date, we, we had an unusual date. Um, we, we did, we, we, we did three things. It was an all day date because we did, we went bike riding. We went to a memorial service of a mutual friend who had died our age um, and then we went to an Oscar party that night. And those three things were <laughs> really showed us different parts of ourselves. And we just really realized we loved being together. But, we, but it took a few other dates to say, wow, <laughs> wow, this is amazing. So, so, you know, I wish I could say how, that, how I knew. I mean, I, but I did know. I, I don't but I, but I do know that it was cumulative. It, 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 I, I needed to go on all those dates or I wouldn't have been sure. <laughs> because now we joke around, you know, now we joke around, well, well, you know, one out of 50, what was the chances that you would get chosen? <laughs> and and you say, I know, I feel so lucky. I well, but I couldn't, I, I had to go on all the dates to know you were the one. <laughs> so, uh, so, but it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense because not only were you getting to know men you were getting to know yourself yes and, your needs. and what and, I wanted yes exactly but what I also want to point out is it's it's less about the must-have list and more about the questions you asked yourself and uh, those are you. important questions so mm -hmm. I want to I want to highlight that too because asking what side of me did this person bring out mm -hmm. is is it is he bringing out the best in me and am I bringing out the best in him how does my body feel like checking in with the whole thing and not the list of, you know, he, he's fun to be with. That's a, that's a temporary incomplete partner, you know, possibly, mm -hmm. or sex is great, but then when we're not having sex, it's, it's okay. But maybe mm -hmm. I blew it up out of proportion because the sex was so great. And so the, the questions about how you feel and are you inspired? Are you bored? You know, that's checking in with you. And most people are just going well, like, what does society say is a good partner? Yeah. Which is a very different thing. Right. Right. I, yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. That, that really does explain it more because I was learning a lot and by, I knew what questions to ask. And I was much more attuned in the second half of my project than in the first half of before I was just, Oh, you know, whoever it was, was fun. Um, I want to put in a plug for visioning though. Not, not necessarily a list, but, but at some point um, I was in a process that involved me writing a very specific vision of not who I wanted, but what my life would be like with a partner. And it was very specific and down to, I, we would not live together. We would, we would live apart and we would 
meet, come together and we would go on these trips and I was very detailed and then I put it aside and it was really amazing because in the end, that's what our life is like now. And, and so, uh, you know, I have not, I'm not an expert on visioning how to do it, but it worked for me. <laughs> and I was skeptical. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the kind of visioning that is realistic. Like, again, how do you want to feel? Yeah. Right. It's yes. not, we're going to have this house and, you know, and live on this street. And I mean, people do get that specific and sometimes it happens, but I think what, what's the day-to-day <laughs> the like? The day-to-day yeah. is yeah. more important than the big vacations and the, I have my clients do that kind of visioning where, mm-hmm. you know, what, what would it be like in, an ideal day, a day in the life kind of thing. And like from waking up, having coffee together on the deck, you know, whatever, whatever it is that would really feel good in your body. And Mm -hmm. it's hard for a lot of people to even imagine. I think with, when you've had not, when you haven't had a lot of success in dating and relationships, it can be scary to envision what you really want because of the disappointment if you don't get it. Yeah. So what do you yes. say to people who are afraid to even have that vision? Well, that was me. I, I mean, I was actually in a little relationship course and they said, okay, we're going to do a vision. And I was saying, I, I really thought, what if I do the vision and it won't, doesn't come true? Even I, some visions had worked for me, some hadn't in my life. So I was scared to do it. So all I can say is I did it and I put it aside. I thought, okay, I'll just do this exercise and I'll put it aside. Um, and then... But I did, now I'm kind of a believer in that the universe kind of arranging things to fit what our expectations are. If we do the footwork, you can't mm-hmm. just like sit home and hope the vision will appear. <laughs> but but you're if, if you drop doing, at your door, <laughs> hopefully that would be great if all the great delivery people were available. But but um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a combination. And I wanted to also mention that one of the things that was really helpful for me that I really recommend for dating is a support group. I mean, having support, like the people who have you as a coach would be, that's one great idea. Um, but, and building in that with your friends. Um, like I said, I was connected to this, the community of people who went through those workshops, we would get together, we had parties, we had support groups, we had little groups, we had big groups, I had a women's group that was based on that. Um, um, there's, you, you'll see in my book, I did a lot of crying in this, during this dating project, uh, maybe, uh, but, I, but I knew how to take care of myself. Sometimes I just cry, cried at my home and held my cat. And sometimes I called my friends and uh, to come over or talk or, or um, wrote in my journal. My journal was a huge support for me, uh, taking a bath. There's all sorts of self-care things. And, mm. and to, to think of it as a long-term project, of course, we want to quick, you know, find that first that last first date soon but but it might be a long-term project and like I said it's this is how how do you want your life to be in general with or without a partner yeah and and so I I that that's what what I know was crucial to for me to have that support yeah support is so important which is why I started my Facebook group it's oh yeah yeah a lot of people especially during COVID have felt so alone Mm -hmm. and having a place to go has been amazing. By the way, yeah. those cups, that cup you're drinking out of, yes. and people who are not watching on video can't see your blue cup, but 
We had cups like that growing up. Oh, you did? That's so <laughs> Just like, wow, that brought back a memory. Um, maybe it was in my married home, maybe in my family of origin. I think more in my married home. I don't think they're as old as I am. Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> uh, it's just funny how something can can just jolt the memory. Um, I would love for you to read oh, okay. an excerpt or two. I would love to, yes. Yes, I, I'd love to. I'm going to start with one about choice because that's oh, a good, good theme. Love choice. Okay. <clears throat> this is actually in date number one. I was wondering, he said, if you'd like to come over tonight and use the sauna. Well, what new age, sensual Northern California girl does not accept an invitation to a sauna at 10 p.m. on a Sunday night? Over the years in the Bay Area, I had spent many a late night naked in friends' hot tubs or saunas. I had also spent enough time in clothing optional situations to know that being naked didn't necessarily imply being sexual. And yet the thought of being naked with Randy in a sauna thrilled me. It was an innocent excitement. I was enjoying the feeling turned on without assuming it would lead anywhere. I was good at letting men know how physically close or distant I wanted to be. 10 years of workshops on relationships had taught me the concept of being at choice, that in every moment I can choose differently. I didn't know what Randy was expecting, but I assumed that he would respect whatever my choices were. That's so great. I I love the whole Randy story. He was your neighbor and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it started with he had been married and then his marriage ended, but you had no idea until you started talking and then coffee turned into lunch, turned into sauna. <laughs> sauna. <laughs> You're into these marathon dates. <laughs> it was a great, they weren't all like that, but it was that. Yeah. Uh, it's also just going with the flow. Like if you look at the rules that people write about dating, mm-hmm. which I hate rules, but yeah. it's, it's like your date has to be a half an hour, the first date, and you can't share too much and you can't get too physical and you have to wait and you have to, you know, and, and in my group, we talk a lot about how there is no one size fits all and you have oh, to okay. check in with you, mm-hmm. which is so hard for people to do. And so you yeah. being able to go in with, again, little expectation, you were excited, but if it didn't end sex, it was fine. And if it did, it was fine. And it was, uh, and so I, I just love that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, moving on and he's a neighbor. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people would never do that. They wouldn't get involved with somebody at work or somebody they're going to see again. And mm-hmm. I think if you're honest and open with people, and again, you can't control their emotions and how they're going to deal with them, but you can take care of your side of the street. And you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for seeing that. Yeah. Um, That's a great excerpt. And I want to also say that um, writing my second book and it's called choice points in dating. Oh, great. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm totally, totally every, every step. I think a lot of people feel they don't have choice and Uh you know, and we do. And so Mm -hmm. knowing that you get to, you get to write your own story. Mm -hmm. uh, as you did both figuratively and metaphorically feel free to borrow from my book if you need i will i'll let you know (laughs) (laughs) do you want me to read a teeny little short excerpt that's i do i would love it this was a chapter called longing Two, and it was one of the few men's that men that i longed for that were not quite right for me but i longed for them anyway and 
um, this man, we had been, he said he doesn't, wasn't ready for a relationship, but he was kept seeing me and he was texting me these intimate little texts. So I thought, so I decided to ask him about it. And I said, it seems like you're very attracted to me. You keep sending me these texts. I am very attracted to you, he said. I just don't think I can be the partner you want. Really, I said, trying to take that in. You're the first person I've dated whom I'm seriously considered as a partner. You don't have to be ready to be one. I just want to get to know you with the possibility of being partners in mind. You're the main scene for me. I don't even have a scene, he said. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. And so often we hear, we hear, no, I'm not ready. And we go, I'm okay with that. You know? Or what did he really mean? Yeah. Yeah. One of the first people I coached was involved with a man who was very narcissistic and extremely dysfunctional. And, and he said to her from the beginning, I'm not in the headspace for a relationship. And she said to me, what do you think he meant by that? And I said, he meant exactly what he said. (laughs) (laughs) You need to stop interpreting, like pay attention, especially in the beginning, because people tell you who they are. They tell you what they want. And that's the truth. Before you become clouded with all the hormones, you can hear the truth. You're going to hear the truth. We we sometimes think that men don't share their feelings. But they do. They do oh, they say do. what they're feeling and, and do it wanting. We just sometimes don't hear it. Yeah. And I think a lot of women think men don't have feelings or they're, you know, they're just Neanderthals. And and the truth is, and often they will they will be more truthful with their feelings than we are mm. because they're sensing that gut feeling of do I want it? Do I not want it? And they're not gonna force it the way women tend to mm. override mm. intuition. Oh, he's all these other things, but, yeah. oh, but he's so handsome and he has a nice job and oh my God, he's so cute. So, you know, it's like, don't pay attention to the fact that he's just rude to the waiter and, you know, it's just, yeah. like, it's just such a great conversation and it's a wonderful book. And I, I really hope everyone goes out and reads 50 First Dates After 50. Just to, to close, I want to ask you what I ask everyone, which is any final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date. I did write a few tips, um, which is the visioning and Mm -hmm. um, to be specific, even if you're scared and to have a support group. And I love to know if there's anything else that you would like to add to that. Um, Just the whole big idea of that we should be enjoying our lives as we all along. Um, along with those things, having support, a vision, and and really loving what we're doing and loving ourselves. It, that's the most important thing. Is it, I mean, I think that your book starts that way. My workshop started that way. Um, loving ourselves first, but not in a vacuum. Like, you know, I said, with, uh, with people reflecting that, but being around supportive, I, didn't, I don't think I mentioned that, just being around people who do reflect the best in you, not just the dates, everybody, so that you can shine in your life. And, and that's when you would have the most chance of meeting someone who would be your last first date. I, you know, I think it's a numbers game. I think it's, you, there's a lot of people out there, but there's, there's a few that you'd match with. So you need to meet a lot. Of so, so you need, it's a long distance. I mean, not long distance, a long-term <laughs> thing, a long-term project. It can be. 
And, and so just prepare for it and enjoy it. That's it. That's what I'd say. Yeah, uh, it, all great advice. <laughs> I, I love that you talk about being around people who reflect the best in you. Um, we often surround ourselves with people who are toxic for us, who are a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And as we start to grow into our self-worth, those people are no longer interesting or healthy and we start to pare down who we hang around with and you know often when I start working with somebody it's a whole overhaul it's like oh you were in a toxic relationship with your ex and with all these other people who including your yeah. children including your parents including it's like changing changing the relationships changes everything because you are a reflection of the people you are around yeah yeah, that's, that's crucial. And so yeah. you're, I'm glad that you're directing people that way towards that. Yeah, thank you. And yeah. this is all such, such wonderful things, life lessons that you learned. And, mm -hmm. um, and they brought you to the person that you're with today. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that just to highlight the fact that you didn't recognize him right away as this person for mm -hmm. you. I think we, we often go in thinking we need somebody who's a clone of us. We need somebody who has the exact same interests. And you can be shocked at the person you end up with because they come in a surprise package. So <laughs> be open to the surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. great, great advice. Great. So Carolyn, um, tell, tell our audience, I know you have a free gift and would love for yes. you to share that and your website for us. Yeah. Um, well, my website, I'm going to just hold up one of my little cards, but that's my name, Carolyn Lee Arnold. Oh, it's only if you're looking at the video. So, <laughs> sorry. My website is carolynleearnold.com. And on my website are information at the book, places to, uh, suggestions of places to pre-order, including Amazon or a place to get a signed copy. Um, and I have an offer of a free gift, which is my 10 dating tips, the detailed version, the, the, the short versions on the website, but I'll send you the detailed version of my dating tips. If you sign up on my, um, for my blog, for my email, which is at the bottom of each page of my website. So if you do that, I will send that right off to you. That's awesome. So free dating tips, 10 dating tips. If you sign up for the newsletter on carolynleearnold.com and Carolyn is with a Y. Uh, and yeah, this has just been delightful. Um, you have a great spirit and I can see how you found somebody wonderful because you just exude confidence and warmth and the ability to really appreciate people, which I think you have to Again, love yourself first in order to have the space mm -hmm. to open your heart to other people. Great. Well, thank you, Sandy. It's been great to be with you. You're a great person to discuss all this with. I, uh, I, we, we have the same perspective on this. Yeah. Thing. Well, thank you. So um, I've learned from you. So thank you. Thanks oh. for making my journey even richer. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I'm really enjoying the book. It is just, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful read. So I highly recommend it to everyone. Great. And um, thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please rate and review us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It always helps. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Bye.